Welcome to another episode of the Life in Digital podcast. This week, I will be your host. I'm Amy Wright, Sphere Digital's Marketing and Internal Talent Manager. I'm passionate about speaking to leaders in the digital sector about their approach to hiring, retaining and cultivating high-performing teams that are inclusive and reflect the society we live in. Every month, I will be speaking with some exceptional people who are making waves in the digital sector. This week, I'm joined by Matthew Goldhill, founder and CEO of Picnic, a social display ad marketplace that enables better, more engaging advertising campaigns for brands. We dive into the unique challenges and opportunities that remote working has presented Picnic. When it comes to maintaining a company culture, a great company culture, and what lies ahead when it comes to creating an engaging work environment that works for everyone. I hope you enjoy. Cool. Uh, hi, Amy. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm a founder and now CEO of Picnic. Um, I founded the business in January 2017. So it feels like a long time ago now. And it was probably a year in the works before then. Um, and then there was close to two years of trying to do something which didn't work still in the advertising space. So uh, the, the kind of incarnation of Picnic now, Picnic is the social display ad marketplace that started at the end of 2018. So it's just over two years of doing that. Um, and so since the end of 2018, we've grown the team from two people to now uh, close to 15 people. Um, so a fast growing uh, London based uh, ad tech company. And I think when we originally got in touch, it was you're in the position now where, as you said, you've grown, you've doubled your headcount. And we're still working remotely as of today. We've just had the Boris announcement yesterday for those that are listening. Um, but you were talking about defining office work culture post-COVID. So kind of thinking about that, I guess, that movement from purely remote to actually thinking about the office space. Just to kind of set ourselves up, I guess, what was it about that topic that particularly resonated with you and what's happening at Picnic? Yeah, so I think I've always been really interested in work culture and building a team which is uh, filling and ambitious and a place where uh, uh, people, specifically people joining the industry for the first time, as, as that was my background when I first joined a startup close to 10 years ago, um, I wanted to provide the best place for those kind of people. So it's something I was always interested in and I think we entered the pandemic with probably seven people and are now close to 14 people so it's doubling the amount of headcount and I think that change from seven to 14 is dramatic when you're building an organization um the, the big change is, is it, it everything no longer reports into me there are other managers in the businesses in the business who have people reporting into them so you have to make sure the culture is um uh, um spread throughout different people so I think no matter what pandemic or no pandemic this would have been a time where I would have spent a lot of time thinking okay how can we make sure the things that made picnic work when it was three people or four people or five people work when it's 14 mm. people the the difference is is that we had to do that uh when we were a distributed workforce and um I think the thing that I've realized looking back preparing for this but and and just kind of preparing uh, for how we can properly start at least being allowed to leave our house houses is that the pandemic force picnic to uh, introduce a lot of procedure and processes and structure which we didn't have before which were definitely necessary and we have essentially built the company culture 
as a distributed workforce aware of the fact that like a lot of these things we were uh, processes we we're creating from scratch i think we're in an interesting actually looking back a very good position a very fortunate position in that sense um in that we are now creating structures which are going to last uh, the next five years as a kind of remote but also with an office workforce i haven't quite defined exactly what it's going to be called but i think everyone's experience at, at picnic as far as i can tell and speaking to them uh, frequently everyone's experience has been um they have seen some benefits from working from home in terms of productivity in terms of some of the structures and no one wants to go back to five days a week at the office and certainly the nine to five is dead so i think we're in a good position considering a lot of our processes were built during the pandemic is okay how can we take these things which actually make picnic a very productive company and how can we can then combine them with things that we used to know like going to an office or more importantly than that i think like actually meeting people um i think my final point of that is we're kind of we're, we're i'm at the point where maybe 30 percent of the team i've never met in person and uh, so so that's the important part but next is is how can we keep the things which are good about picnic's culture now but how can we combine them with, with the stuff which is really important for just kind of just general living like actually speaking to someone in person and meeting them and having a drink or a walk or whatever it is with them so so that's what um i'm interested in now is yeah is defining that for the next five years of picnic culture one of the most important things which uh, I've tried to focus on as much as possible is a focus on uh, on good mental health support. And we like talking about picnics, use of spill, which is a um, it's a uh, mental health counsellor kind of as a service connected to Slack. So you can um, message a, a therapist or you can even book a therapy session. Uh, within three clicks, uh, all for free or provided by Picnic. And I think those kind of things, like not paying, uh, uh, not paying lip service to mental health, but actually putting up money and and uh, making it something you talk about, that will become it's only more important considering we've just spent close to a year at home by ourselves. Um, is it something that you've had to check in with people? on a more company-wide level or is it something that you just decided to do from the beginning like how did that start to to happen for you guys I think I think it's tough it's a talking about mental health is 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 obviously very hard I think because there is a kind of societal stigma in some ways it's it's not necessarily the kind of thing that you can I don't know necessarily talk to some friends about let alone certain colleagues um it's something that i have spoken to colleagues about my entire career at, at different points for whatever reason um and it's so it's always been something that i wanted to incorporate into picnic culture somehow a way of of um being open and transparent that you know mental health is a um it's something everyone has to maintain it, it's not uh it's something which should be stigmatized there there are some amazing companies in, in london doing stuff about it there's a company called sanctus which we looked at sanctus i think they are yeah which i looked at previously which provides a drop-in therapist service in your office you know give up a meeting room once a week to a therapist and and they're there to help whoever needs it the service we found, which is Spill, which is another London startup, uh, this one is about remote um, uh, therapy. I think the thing I found very good about it is it provides a very, very succinct, easy way of, of 
providing mental health support without um, stigmatizing it at all. So when people have had a reason to, to need to, to speak to someone for, I don't know, um, a, a death in the family or something along those lines, you can be like, oh, why don't you check out Spill's guidance on so-and-so or speak to a therapist? And, and it, it doesn't become a touchy subject. It's just kind of part of our kind of work culture and language behind it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really happy with, with, with that and the, the fact that we're able to be open and talk about it um, and, and provide, as you say, like an easy way of checking in. Mm and something that you can continue long into the future. And you mentioned that you haven't met some of these people face to face. How did you find onboarding remotely? What were the things that you did so that they felt like they were integrating into the culture you've built? Yeah, so I think, I, I, I think everyone actually found it easier than we thought. And again, I think that's a fact that lots of the processes we were um, using were built for remote workforce. So we have, for a small company, quite a lot of written materials. We use a, a software called Notion for internal, like a internal wiki and um, a knowledge base. And so, and we use kind of more standard things like Dropbox, but we're very um, uh, regimented about these. So people can go in and kind of see a whole history of how Picnic works and what works and what are different processes. And on uh, probably 80% of that exists somewhere. So that's really good. There's no like tapping some the thing where you would tap someone on the shoulder and be like, oh, how do you do this? Actually, we have a place where someone can can learn about that kind of that kind of thing. Um, and ultimately, we were the ways that people were working was built for this remote world. So it's not like they were missing out on, I don't know, that weekly Friday win meeting, which they could no longer do. Like we had built a version of that in a in an online world, as it were, a remote world. And then the other part was thinking very specifically about like, what is the first few weeks going to be like for this person? And how can we make it? as good as possible so everyone had a buddy everyone had multiple one-to-ones with every single person in the company and rather than being set up for them they were told okay go introduce yourself to if you're a salesperson go introduce yourself to the sales uh, to the engineering team and book in 15 minutes with everyone so that you can just get to know them you know like the engineering team aren't stuck in the corner writing code they do want to speak to you and and um uh and get to know you and then very small things which i think were really crucial which i hope we did i think we forgot with one person is make sure your buddy has a meeting with you in week two because week one is filled with meetings and zoom calls and all that kind of thing but week two is that time where you're like okay and now actually what do i do like what is my job i no longer have i don't have someone there kind of telling me what to do i have to find things to do for myself so it's important to have that time um in the second week uh, to be able to just like check in and know that you had support structures. All in all, the remote onboarding has gone very well. And we, I would say the majority of the team, because some people were onboarded in August last year and then we've had lockdown since. And I think the majority of the team, we have like the existing pre-pandemic picnic people have met collectively 10 times. I mean, it's, um, but I think they genuinely feel part of the team and when we have our June 21st lockdown beer I think it will be um I think it will be one it won't be like oh nice to meet you it will be like oh Steve Ollie Ollie uh, um it's good to see you in person rather than our strange remote chats take me back to this time last year then I think we're it would have been just before lockdown where were you at as a company what what were the kind of structures already in place and then how how has that changed now? What processes are working and what did you perhaps leave behind that you were doing this time last year? Yeah, I, I hope I remember everything correctly. Maybe I'm gonna be uh, slightly underselling what we were doing, but I think it was probably six or seven people 
pretty much everyone reported into me. Um, we had all the functions or business units were, 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 were very focused. There was account management, sales, engineering, that's it. No, 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 no one who didn't essentially provide revenue in some way for the business. Um, and if I remember correctly, there were no one-to-ones. There were hardly any targets or goals. One of the things, uh, this is aside from office culture, but it's very hard when you're starting a business to provide attainable goals for someone because you don't know what's going to happen next week, let alone how to hit a quarterly target. So yeah, we didn't have goals. We didn't really have one-to-ones. We probably were good at doing, um, quarterly updates and keeping everyone uh, and keeping everyone updated on what what was happening with revenue or product or or, or uh, those kind of things but looking back we probably ignoring the pandem- pandemic there are probably lots of things which did need improving and then the other part the crucial part is that it was I'd always had a um, I'd always promoted this idea that uh, it's about impact not busyness I didn't really mind if you were in the office or, or not certainly go to the gym and in lunch or something along those lines but we were still in the office five days a week it was still pretty much a nine to five the idea of flexible working even though I'd said it and I would probably go and work in a coffee shop one day a month in order to get some space we we hadn't gone even close to what we know is now possible uh post-pandemic or yeah mid-pandemic mm. and so the the main thing for you has been the flexible working and this came up on a previous conversation between me and you, but at no point have you thought we're going to scrap the office altogether. That's still the plan is to have some kind of um, space for you all to congregate. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that and the decision to continue to have both options? Yeah, I think the the balance we're going to try fit is finding the benefits of working from home, and um, which are no distractions you can be really focused you can um uh you can do like proper deep work where you can block out five or six hours and really get your tea stuck in those are the kind of work-based benefits uh, and then there are obviously the kind of more um, um work-life balance based benefits like i don't know i've enjoyed cooking cooking my dinner during lunch it's it's very rare to be able to cook a slow cooked meal uh, uh otherwise like a bolognese. so you know that those kind of things are very, uh, uh just make life a bit nicer so finding those benefits and then the benefits of work culture or office culture sorry are forming different relationships with people which are which have conversations not just based around work essentially like non zoom based friendships water cooler chat or whatever you want to call it chats by the office uh, office machine i mean we picnic has an average age of probably 25 or 26 I think it's fair to say that like having a beer after work or 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 just like seeing someone socially out after work is an important part of it um and then also kind of creative brainstormy things which I don't think are impossible outside of uh, in a remote world in fact I do think you can do really good stuff in a remote world but things like when we're doing quarterly planning for uh, our product roadmap that inherently involves a lot of intense uh, meetings uh, through, uh, over a one or two day period and you want to do that in person no one wants to s- spend uh, eight hours on zoom so I think that the middle ground we're going to uh, land on is um, an office first distributed workforce so that means that you'll be spending one to three days a week in the office it could be more um, definitely not less than one or two days because you want to be able to show your face and speak to people and uh and um spend time with the people who report into you for example and just deal with some of those small conversations which you just 
don't deal with on Zoom, um, but also provide time for people to manage the, the, their own time and their lifestyle and, and you know, cook, cook their uh, spaghetti bolognese during lunch if they want to, or find time for exercise, or have a day where they lie in, or have a day where they wear tracksuit bottoms, um, or, or uh, I think the most important part is have that day where they can spend eight hours focusing on writing that bit of code that they haven't been able to do because the office is distracting or working on that marketing um, uh, project. So I think, uh, and this is definitely the, the way we're going to go down. And I spent quite a lot of time reading other, well, not other companies, I'd say some of the leading companies in, um, uh, in technology to find out what they're doing because they're always pretty innovative. And the one I'm most interested in is Dropbox, who've gone fully into a virtual first policy where um, everyone just works at home as standard. That is the default. And then they have hubs, I think they're calling them, or, or um, yeah, hubs in, in all their major cities. But also if you work in um, a city without a hub, you can go to a co-working space. And those are places for meeting up, for having that you know, team meeting once a week, whatever it is. Um, I think that they're able to do something which Bitnik isn't going to do, which is fully di distributed globally. We will hire you from wherever you are in the world. That part's not going to change. We're going to be a London-focused company because Otherwise, it's too much for a small team to manage. But this idea of of the office becoming a hub, and um, it, I think, I I think it works for the employer, it works for uh, staff, and um, I think it will end up being where where most companies settle. But I think the crucial thing is, this is not a this is a new way of doing things. Mm -hmm. This is you have to think about things as you have to design almost all your processes and policies as a new way of doing things. This isn't like okay, one day a week it's like the office, like it used to be, and four days a week it's kind of working from home as it used to be. This is this is a um, yeah a completely new way of thinking about how can we everyday work with half the company being at home, half the company being the office, because that's the way we think we will get the most work done in the most fulfilling and healthy and enjoyable way possible. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you're writing your yes. company handbook, I think you said. How's that process? What's the decisions going behind that? Um, it's it's really hard. We so we're we're being. I mean, it's being written by a really fantastic company called Charlie HR, who's a London-based software uh, HR software company who also have uh, the service uh, providing HR support. Part one of it is just kind of ticking lots of strategy and regulative boxes which as a small startup we didn't have ticked um so that's really important um the thing I've, i think there's a i and the team have lots of ideas about like what we want office culture to be like um and you know i'm able to talk to you now and have lots of ideas coming out i think the really hard part is when you write uh, like a permanent handbook that lives on right that that is that is something which has to be onboarded and someone in two years might be like, oh, what did you mean here? So you, you have to be really precise about language. And I think I think I learned first time round where we were a small startup and I was kind I mentioned many times impact, not busyness. And, you know, I, I care about outputs, not how long you spend tied to the desk. But um, with that, we, we and we didn't have any kind of other guides or policies to go with it. That doesn't work for everyone. People do like structure or handrails, I've heard it called. Just some kind of guidance about, okay, we have a flexible culture, but just help me out with what that means. So I think that's the really hard part and why it's taken a few months to get this handbook is, uh, done is we want to be able to um, properly like define what this flexible culture will be in a way that someone um, feels, like, feels comfortable that they are they are doing the right thing they don't feel like they're underworking or something like that and the flip side which is you kind of deal with more when you're hiring but people don't take the piss um so like we want to write 
something which um uh yeah it can last a few years is easily understood um and and properly defines the culture and and that is just a challenging thing to do you mentioned earlier on about always being passionate about the culture where did you kind of begin and where did you start to see that that passion for it come through do you can you kind of pinpoint in your background or in your history where that's happened well or where perhaps you were like actually that's something when I launch something I want to do that even better so I've worked at three places before starting picnic and they definitely all influenced my thinking on it my the first company I joined was a um, at the time was a small mobile marketing startup called mobile five I was reporting into three founders and the company did really well got bought by Omnicom I had two and a half years there and it was really amazing experience to essentially be given a huge amount of responsibility and autonomy to deliver work at a young and very inexperienced age because my bosses thought the work was good and it was helping to drive revenue and I really loved almost all aspects of, of, of um, that job. So I kind of, I don't think I knew, um, I hadn't analyzed it, but I think I knew instinctively, oh, this is, this is uh, a good way to work. I like this. I then moved to two other companies. One was a San Francisco based um, startup. And that one had all the kind of trappings of startup life. There were dogs, there was free food. There was, I mean, we spent time in their San Francisco massive warehouse and there was that, um, I forget what the game called. It's kind of like table tennis, but you throw a puck along. It's kind of like ice hockey table tennis. But um, so they had, you know, you might as well have been in Silicon Valley, the TV show, but I didn't find it a very fulfilling place to work. I, did, I thought all the metrics in terms of your performance and bonus were all skewed so you could end up doing really well, even though you you um, you hadn't really put in much effort or, or you, you hadn't thought you'd done very well. Um, I didn't think the company culture worked that well. So that, that was a good learning experience. And I actually left very quickly. And I went to the big New York um, uh, based ad tech company, which had a more work focused culture. But I think in a, I was in an office, like a not the HQ office. And I think it lacked a bit of like passion, a bit of cohesion. So I think it was more learning from my experiences. And then I think there's been loads of really interesting stuff written over the last 10 years. So following following people who who write a lot about this, um, Bruce Daisley, who uh, used to be VP of uh, EMEA at Twitter, he wrote, um, a, I think he started a podcast and then wrote a book called um, Making Work Matter, I believe, or and that's his uh, email newsletter as well. And he's constantly, uh, I guess, summarizing very interesting um, Harvard Business Review studies and, and other academic studies on kind of how work life works and um i think it's really important when starting a business to get that cultural bit right like you're hiring people who spend well, one of um the first hire at picnic she said to me quite recently she was like i think i've spent more time with you in the last two years than anyone else her boyfriend lived in new york for a year and you know you're spending a lot of time with these people and if you want them to work hard and feel fulfilled and grow the business you've got to create a, a culture that works for them so i think yeah, I, I knew that when starting a business, that was going to be a responsibility. But one that I was really interested in was like how how to provide that place to be the most fulfilling place to work. Not to put you on the spot, but if you had to describe your culture, what what's it like? What would people say about Picnic? It's always a hard one because I know what I want everyone to think. <laughs> I think I think there is I think there is um, enough of a, a, a consensus that it's um, there's a lot of ambition. There's a there's a 
real competitive streak running through lots of the people that work uh, at Picnic. Uh, at Picnic, I I wouldn't say this is kind of a trait, but it's something to focus on. Is this kind of like high trust fulfilling work environment? So I've mentioned the average age is very young, but still people have a lot of trust to own their business unit or function, have a goal, and then deliver on it. So I think that's the best way to kind of generate uh, enjoyment in work is be like, okay, I own this. This is my strategy or plan, and I won't get micromanaged at all. I will just like work with people to deliver on it. And I think the other thing I I, I really hope there is, but I think there is in lots of different areas, is is creativity. And I mean that in not just in terms of like designing a logo or, or brand colors, but um, uh, creative problem solving across the board so commercial levels but also engineering so I'd say those are kind of the main traits which tie everyone together and it feels like that autonomy is something that you loved about your first role and kind of bringing that experience and giving that opportunity to people that join you oh completely like a lot of what I wanted to do was uh, have a culture which could replicate some of the things I had in my first role or, or I would even say dare I say it better than although my old bosses are kind of involved in this company so I don't want to be competitive at all. <laughs> we'll whisper that bit. With the autonomy has that been harder to manage because it's completely remote? The reason we didn't have that kind of stuff before is is because there was less good structure to allow for autonomy. I'd say that the autonomy is now, is, is now a lot easier and I certainly have a lot more uh, and I, this is this is on me having to, 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 to build trust as in it was my fault not uh, the people who work at picnics well but I think there's there's a lot more trust and autonomy I think we now do things like quarterly planning and strategy and um and once something like that is signed off you can just trust someone to go away and do their job and catch up once a week and ask questions on problems they've had with it or, or um yeah ask for areas of assistance but um I don't know whether the autonomy came about because of because that point the picnic was as a business it's very hard as a smaller company to be able to do quarterly planning so now we're slightly bigger those things are easier or whether it was very useful having the pandemic kind of give me uh, and and everyone working distributed give me a kick up the backside to be like okay you can no longer rely on some of the kind of crutches that an office provides actually put in structure to to properly give people responsibility and um and autonomy and you know if if i don't have to catch up with them in for hypothetically two months you know that they'd be getting on with really good work and we've obviously got at least a few more months working remotely i think some people are starting to think about that transition to to office life you and picnic have put in some really awesome what would you say activities i guess you could call them uh, things that you're doing just to keep that culture and um i wonder if you could just share them with people that are listening who are perhaps maybe not at the stage where they're thinking about moving into an office yet they're still very much in the midst of of purely virtual you can split the the, the kind of um the company-wide things activities i don't know what the right word split them into a few categories one would be um things for getting work done um so we have um daily output meetings every morning 9 30 people log in have a call uh, and discuss kind of the things they did yesterday the the things they want to achieve that day um we used to do the call with everyone in the company um it used to be uh, and then as we grew a bit bigger those kind of got a bit unwieldy we've ended up splitting them into morning coffee uh, machine style chat about like what you did last night with 
three, four, five people. Uh, and I think they're a great way of, yeah, actually having proper conversations with people in the company. Um, and then the outputs I really think are important. I think this is something which will continue, but I think it, it, it really helps in a pandemic when you're stuck inside and you, you don't know when the, the nice, the next fun thing is going to happen to you or whatever. Ha just giving yourself two or three things to do in a day and not putting any other pressure, not being like, oh, I've got a 15 item to-do list to do. Just be like, okay, if I do three things every day and just tick them off my list, I can just incrementally feel fulfilled and like there's progress. And that has been a game changer for my productivity, productivity, but also for just kind of like low level satisfaction. So those kind of things we've implemented, those daily calls and a process around output. Then, um, done more like wellness focused uh, activities and there's quite a lot of them because I think they're very important so we have for example wellness Wednesdays which is an hour on top of lunch so we don't usually book in lunchtime but I've booked in an hour for lunch in everyone's calendars and then after that an hour for uh, wellness Wednesdays which is time during the day where you're supposed to go do exercise activity go for a walk uh, one person likes uh, reading in his little window seat at this time which is great and I think it I implemented that at the beginning of the year when it was dark and gray and you know if you finish work at six you you can't see the light of day if you want to go do some exercise so I think that's been really good for and also hopefully it encourages people to realize that you know you can go for a run during any other day as well, you know, it's, you know, manage your own time and 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 um, just focus on outputs. So Wellness Wednesdays has been good. We have um, coffee, uh, a random coffee meetings as well. So we have a Slack app, which randomly matches everyone in the company with a random person once a week. And you, so they'll say, Matthew, your coffee meeting is with Scarlett this week. And you message them and you just have a 15 minute catch up about whatever you, you want to catch up with. So they, I think those things are, are really important. And then the final things are more like, fun things for want of a better word so for example when lockdown happened last year we paid for um, odd boxes which are kind of like um, vegetable delivery of, of um, odd shaped fruit which is otherwise going to go to eight uh, uh, vegetable delivery for everyone and I it was like the perk which has got the most feedback the best feedback I've, I've uh, we've ever implemented um, because you know it worked because people didn't want to go to the shops during the pandemic but I think it was a nice reminder that like you know thinking about you and then also we have friday wins which is um just like celebrating a win and we've tried different virtual locations for doing them in so there's a video chat app i think it's called pluto mm. which i saw on twitter and it's the best way of imagining it is like an n64 game but your character is your webcam um, head. So you're, you're kind of dropped into at the beginning, a, a art gallery style space. And you can see all your colleagues with live webcams as their head and you can move your character around uh, and you can visit the Maldives or you could go to Burning Man and multiple members of the team ended up like turning off their bedroom lights and having disco lights in their room. I don't know why they all had disco lights, but one person said it was so immersive that they, rather than like look for the X, you know, close their browser window. They were like trying to find a door to leave. So, and doing things like that um, have been just like very, very small, low level ways of just like making sure that there is other stuff to do apart from work. And I think, yeah, the pandemic has obviously been incredibly hard in lots of different ways. Uh, 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 um, certainly if you're using work as a way of kind of keeping yourself busy during the day, it's very easy to allow work to kind of blur into 
your personal life, um, certainly working from home the whole time. I think finding ways to focus on, you know, having a moment where you can close your laptop and leave and actually have home time rather than work at home time. Um, yeah, has been very important. And how has it affected your relationship with your clients? Were you seeing them for those coffee shop meetings prior? And how has that affected? Because you guys have done really well. You've doubled your headcounts. So I'm assuming something's going right. Um, how has that kind of shift been for you? Into our sales team, a lot, like almost all the work done previously was coffee meetings or we're in media it was in the pub or over lunches and so that has all stopped one of the account managers who joined last July she said we thought she's she hadn't met one client turns out she's met one client who happened to come to our office last August during a reprieve in lockdown like we we are not spending that kind of in-person time uh, with clients anymore I, th I do think it will come back. I think that um, although it's something which hasn't needed to be done, ultimately it's, uh, for want of a better word, a perk, for, perk of the job. Like, I think people should feel very open about the fact that one reason that this industry is very good is like you can go to good media parties or you can go to the pub on Friday. Like th those things shouldn't be, um, um, I don't think they should necessarily be criticised and they shouldn't be replaced in the same way that other digital first things should be replaced in terms of how we maintain our relationships with clients over their pandemic i think ultimately clients have had to adapt as well so there, there there's a necessity to, to to speak to us and i think what we've really focused on is really high quality service there was obviously a massive disruption everyone moving uh distributed and not being able to plan six months ahead and all these kind of things and i think as a small company being able to be very nimble being able to to kind of do our job exactly the same working from home rather than in the office and then we could just deliver uh, an extremely high level of service from day one and um i think that's paid dividends and what's the plan for picnic how what's the growth plans what does 20 what year are we in 2021 what's 2021 <laughs> look like for you guys and 2022 as well yeah so um we we plan on continuing to grow um we we've just um, added a new member to our board, someone called uh, Andy Stevens, who has a long history working in the industry uh, and growing uh, profit profitable digital uh, agencies and, and working for WPP. So really excited about that. Got plans to expand into other markets, introduce new products. Um, so that part I feel all very comfortable with and very happy with. I think in terms of taking it back to this conversation, what are the plans for going back into the office? I think there's still work to do, but there, it's going to be a focus on how how we can properly get this kind of office first virtual working uh, working um, style working properly. So how we can get an office which can accommodate everyone, but also can be empty a few days a week. How we can get some of the things which have worked really well. So our daily calls or our one to ones, which are very structured and everyone dials in on video, et cetera. How can we get those to work in, in a world where some people will be in the office, some people will, will be at home? Yeah, I think those are the main things I'm thinking of is it's almost like how can we transition all of the good bits from the culture that we have mm -hmm. so far into yeah, what will definitely be a new a new way of working and doing it as quickly as possible. But I think the, the main thing is that I really think that lots of the team will be wanting to, for example, go back into central London will want to get out of their house. Like, uh, I mean, that's a, a really big thing. 
yeah, we'll be moving as quickly as and as safely as possible to to make sure we can we can properly get that kind of office first virtual work. I need a better name for it, but uh, that's properly set up. I mean, I guess you're you're deciding that now, but where you have set set days that everyone goes in, or do you think it will be more of a drop in drop out kind of vibe with your office, or is that still up in the air? I, I don't think it'll be set days. I um I think these are the things to be decided again, but it's and it's about finding that language is kind of like is one to three days in the office sounds like a good idea I think one of the the set things we might have is like there's this idea of synchronous and asynchronous um uh um time doing work so synchronous is is when you're talking to people in real time or on calls or on slack messages or whatever that is and having so having blocks of synchronous time maybe two or four hours a day Whereas it is expected that you are online and ready to go. And if you know your boss says, oh, we need this report, you're there for it. There. But then also providing for asynchronous blocks where you are doing that kind of deep work, that marketing redesign, that product scope, whatever it is. So I think that is more likely how we'll be prescriptive of, of time. But what happens if someone doesn't like what's happened? How do we know if someone's going into the office or if they're staying at home? What happens if they're late? Or more importantly, what happens if they I don't know, get stuck on the way to work and we actually need to go help them. You know, we need to we need to have ways of, of dealing with these kind of things. I think the other thing, which I should have mentioned when you said, what does the future look like? And maybe this is, if the picnic team listened, this is now on record that I have to do it. But I think proper away days or away weeks are something that we're definitely going to um, look at doing. This idea that, okay, you, if you're spending one to three days a week in the office, you might not be able to catch up with the engineering team. Uh, or you might not have that kind of eight hour block where you do provoke that kind of, I don't know, creative idea that you need to. And that's fine most of the time, but we do need it at a point. So um, I know um, companies like Automatic, which makes WordPress, they do, their way of thinking about it is you spend 40 weeks of the year at home, or maybe it's 50 weeks of the year at home and then two weeks of the year somewhere else in an away day uh, or more likely in a away day in Morocco or Portugal or a nice house in the countryside somewhere. So those are things we're definitely going to look at doing. And I've promised it to the team. And when the pandemic, you know, when we're able to book that kind of stuff, it will definitely happen. Where would be your first place that you'd ideally go to? Oh, is this is this like desert <laughs> island or practical? <laughs> I mean, Desert Island would be great. Though. We will host it in, I don't know, the Maldives. But realistically, I think, um, um, I, I realistically, I think, you know, finding finding a big Airbnb in the UK and uh, having a place for three days to do some proper like work and brainstorming sessions and bursts of creativity, and then also spend some some time uh, like <laughs> meeting the colleagues that you haven't met before. That would be good. Yeah. Well, twenty first of June. Here's hoping. Yes, We're counting the days. Well, I pretty much rinsed my questions. <laughs> this is good. Nice. Um, I've rinsed my answers. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was lovely. And thanks, um, Amy. <laughs> bye. big thank you to Matthew. If you want to find out more about the work the guys at Picnic are up to, we will leave a link in the show notes and via our website. Subscribe for new episodes every fortnight and go to our website for bonus video footage, www.sphere.london.co.uk. See you next time for another episode of Life in Digital.